looking at the Lot's ruined family. Had this was, I think I told you uh, six, seven weeks ago, when we I knew I was going to get some some weeks to prepare for because of the missions conference and things. I I wrote this uh, version of this sermon out very very quickly and thought this is exactly what we're going to do. And then I told you before I left. Uh, I think it was Memorial Day weekend when we looked at Genesis 19 for the first time, and I thought, man, that's not exactly what should be said there. But I saved it and and kept coming back to this, and so I wanted to to bring it again this morning. We may actually be back one more week in chapter 19 before we move on. But I was reading through this, and and, and if you've ever read through Genesis 19, you know the story about Lot, and you know the story of Sodom and Gomorrah and how that all works. We generally, we can villainize Lot. We can talk about how horrible he was, how awful his family uh, turned out, and we're not wrong by saying those things. And especially on Father's Day, as we're thinking about, you know, what what do I want my family to be like? As I, have, I have boys, young boys, and I want them to, to grow up, and there's that that wondering about what is their future going to look like, and and, and how's, how are they going to how are they going to grow up, and what are they going to do? What are they going to do with their lives? What are they going to be? Uh, are they going to have families of their own? Or uh, and and even I'm sure that even those of you who have adult children, you're thinking about that. You know, what what are my kids going to? Uh, when are my kids going to? You know, give me grandkids, or when are my kids going to move out, or uh, when are my kids going to? Uh, you know, settle down, or whatever it may be. We're all thinking about our families, and that's just a part of it. You know, when you're 20 something and you're single and and you you don't even have a boyfriend or girlfriend, and it's just you and your life, and that's all you got to worry about. Life is a certain way. And then as you begin to add people into your life and you build a family, uh, your priorities change, your perspectives change, and everything begins to focus less on yourself and more on the people for whom you are responsible, particularly fathers. So we think about Lot and we think about his family and how his family turned out. There's really not anything positive that we can say about Lot. Really, um, he is one of the few people in the Bible that I think don't really say anything positively about. If I just... Cursory thinking, my 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 limited Bible knowledge. Uh, there's not too many people in the Bible that doesn't say much. You know, they says a whole lot of negative and not much positive. Uh, but Lot would definitely be one of those people where he's just he's just there uh, as a bad example to, to say don't be like him. But as I read through this, I see so many different uh, mistakes that he made, and it's so easy to to you know snipe at at, at a guy who lived thousands of years ago and. His story is completed now, and we can look back and say, yeah, he did that wrong, he did that wrong. It's a lot harder for me to do that now. It's a lot easier for me to do that to your life, and it's really easy for you to do that to my life and to other people's life. We're all very good at looking at other people and saying, they shouldn't be doing that, and they shouldn't be doing that. And when something goes wrong, I had a friend uh, ask me one time at, uh, about another friend, that, I, that we, a mutual friend that we had that had just gone way off the deep end, and uh, he was asking me, he was saying, well, what's going on in the home situation? And he was trying to pinpoint the reason why the, this other friend of ours, our mutual friend, had just, just really kind of just gone, gone crazy with, uh, with everything, morals and spiritual things and everything, just was just way, way in left field, way out of the stadium even. And so he was looking at the father, he was looking at the home life, he was looking at church life, he was looking at school life, he was looking at friends, he was looking at everything else, and he was trying to figure out what's the, what's the, the pin, what's the cause, what's the, what was the stimulus that caused that, that, that other person to, to become like, they, like that person is. And I don't think it's fair to, 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 to try to accurately say that's the reason right there, and 
definitely, I'm never going to say that about any of you. Is, you know, well, you know, this bad thing happened in your life, and it's probably because of this, unless it's really obvious. You know, um, you know, you you did you know you, you did something really stupid, and we say, well, maybe that's why. Have you seen that? Uh, you seen that video? of uh, the husband and the wife talking, and the wife is uh, talking to her husband about this, this just sharp pain that she has in her head, and you can never really see her until the very end. She keeps talking about this nagging pain. It's just a throb. It's just, and, 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 and then when the, the camera finally pains in, she's got a, a nail sticking out of her forehead, and the husband's just sitting there listening, and, and she's like, I just don't know what to do. I, I just don't know what the problem is. And finally he says, well, you do have a nail sticking in your head. And she gets all mad. All you want to do is try to solve and fix the problems. You don't just want to listen. It's not that, you know, and she's just going on and on. If it's obvious like that, going, okay, you have a headache. You might have a nail in your head. That might be the problem. But in life, it's not so simple. We can't say, well, so-and-so uh, turned out this way, and that's because of this one thing. Uh, we can do that in Lot's life to an extent, we have to be very careful that we don't read into Lot's life and, and, and read into extra things that God's Word doesn't tell us about Lot's life. But there are a few things, and I've had six of them there for you in your notes. We'll talk about those six things. Honestly, it feels a little bit more like a devotional than, than a teaching or a preaching time. But uh, I wanted to share these things with you tonight, so uh, this morning. So this uh, the title of this changed several different times, but to just... Very simply, it's, it's Lot's ruined family. And this is uh, what we have here, six ways to encourage family failure. Uh, at one point in the planning process, I thought, I'm going to, uh, we'll make this more of a, of a tongue-in-cheek, uh, if you want to really wreck your family, here's some things that you need to do. Because generally, we talk about how to improve. But I thought, maybe one time we'll do a how to just wreck it all, how to just mess it all up, because obviously no one wants to do that. But what we see here is, is Lot is really the poster child for being the world's worst father. Uh, and I'm sure that there are many uh, in history that could give him a run for his money, but he's the one who's re- recorded the longest in history for being just an awful dad. Let's, let's uh, look, look at these things and, and uh, may, uh, see them in the Scriptures so that, um, that uh, we, can, we can see that they're not just something that they're not just man's advice, they're, they're, they're God's advice, they're God's wisdom there. Number one, we see, uh, if we're going, uh, Lot ruined his family, or if you're going to ruin your family, it's because he ignored the sin around him. We're going to ruin our families, we're going to lose our families, we're going to have to uh, stop seeing the wrong that goes on around us. Now I've heard many messages about how Lot should have never moved to Sodom. And how, how wicked and how wrong that was for him to do. And, and I'm not going to debate that. I'm not going to question uh, whether or not that was wrong or not. Uh, I don't think that there is a, a perfect city out there for any of us to live in. Uh, I'm sure that there is sin in Sherman, New York, that people could say, yeah, you shouldn't be around that kind of sin. Um, when we came back, flying into Buffalo, and, and I looked down, I opened the window, and I, I'm looking out the airplane, and I see the farm, you know, the, the squares, the perfect squares of farmland. And I was like, oh, so getting on, on 90, even Interstate 90 of all places, like, it was so peaceful. <laughs> it was like nobody else on the road. I thought, this is so nice. <laughs> I, drove, I, drove to, I drove to Seattle a few times while we were in Washington, and there's just like bumper-to-bumper traffic, and, I was just, and there's, just, there's just wickedness uh, there, and it's just all over the place. We were in Fort Lauderdale, and we spent a few days there, and they, they were boasting about the fact that they are uh, very openly homosexual-friendly uh, and, and very... Um, 
I mean, just I saw things in advertisements that I had never seen anywhere else before, and I and I, I thought, you know, there's a city, there's cities after city after city with sin, and there's there's problems everywhere. Sherman, New York, is not a perfect place, uh, and so we could we could you know shoot at at uh, Lot for moving his family to Sodom, but honestly, there wasn't a perfect place for Lot to move his family to. There's probably better places. There's probably, maybe there was worse places, I don't know, but uh, the, the problem here was not just the fact that he lived in Sodom, but it was the fact that, that he ignored the sin of Sodom that he was living really in the middle of. Uh, because Abraham assumed that there would be righteous people living in Sodom, and uh, we would not have, uh, if, if it was impossible to live righteously in the city of Sodom, then God would have stopped Abraham in chapter 18 when, when Abraham was praying for him to spare the city for the sake of the righteous. It would have, God would have said, no, righteous people couldn't live there. It's impossible. Yet, he allowed it to, and then we see in, and we read in Peter's epistle that Lot vexed his righteous soul. So we see that, that it's possible to do both of those, but not, not necessarily uh, in, in an easy way. But we see that uh, the, re- the big problem here that Lot had was that he ignored the sin around him. He knew of the wickedness of the city, and yet he continued to get closer and closer to it. We go all the way back to, I think it's chapter 13, we go all the way back to there when, when Lot was, uh, was making that separation between he and Abraham, uh, and he didn't go to Sodom, he pitched his tent towards Sodom. And then over time, he progresses in two, we, we read just a moment ago that in verse uh, number, uh, verse number uh, nine, uh, this one fellow came in to sojourn. So he came in and it was very obvious to everybody else he's here to visit. But now he's got a house. Now he's got a, a position. With, you don't, if you're on vacation, you don't run for city government when you're just there to sojourn, when you're there to visit. But now he is, he is in the gate of the city. He is, he's got a place of authority. He's, he's helping uh, govern things. And that's, that was just a progression that happened over time. And the problem was there for Lot that he ignored all of the things going on around him. Uh, he didn't make any attempts, as far as what we can read, to try to fix anything until we get to this particular sin with the angels. Oh, don't do so wickedly. Well, has anyone ever stepped up before? Have you ever said anything else before this point? Don't address the environment your family is in. If you want to ruin your family, make decisions based solely on the financial and physical outcomes. Look at the, look at the way that Lot um, uh, chose the city of Sodom back in chapter 13. Because it was well watered. Because it would it would help uh, maintain and, and even improve the state of his business. Uh, it, would, it, would, it would grow his flocks and grow his herds. And we see him uh, seeing him financially succeed. He was a sojourner, a nomad, living in the desert, in tents with Uncle Abraham. And now he's got a house. He's got authority. He is, he's got a big family now. He is, he is successful in many of the ways that we consider and we measure success in today's life. He was successful in all of those ways. We don't really see anything negative begin to poke the holes, uh, poke through his life until we read into chapter 19. But up until this point, we could assume that Lot is just doing great. Everything's awesome. He's sending postcards from Sodom to all of his family saying, hey, I'm having a great time. It's been, it's been a blast here in Sodom. The kids are doing well. His Christmas letter would have talked about how well his girls were doing in school. They've met some boys and, and they seem to be falling in love and they're probably going to get married soon. And, and, and my wife has found her, 
her, her friends and, and I've got a good job and hey, I just got elected to city government and now I'm sitting in the seat and, and all these things. And yeah, there's some, there's some crime and there's some problems, but hey, we're going we're gonna to make a difference. Or we're gonna, and, and all of this, this success that we would see as, wow, that's, that's, that's a pattern I want to I have in my life until we begin to see how the effects of living in Sodom uh, begin to, to, to poke out. And, and, and we see, number one, he ruined his family because he ignored the sin around him. Let me show you some more verses in, chapter, in, in verse number 12. It says there, uh, verse, number, uh, verse number 12, And men said unto Lot, Hast thou, any, hast thou here any besides son-in-law, and thy sons, and thy daughters, and whatsoever thou hast in the city, bring them out of this place, for we will destroy this place, because the cry of them is waxen great before the Lord, and the Lord has sent us to destroy it. Notice the reason why they were in Sodom was to destroy the city because the cry of it had grown to such, an, to such a, a, a level that God said, I cannot give any more space to repent. I cannot ignore it. I cannot give them more time. This is it. Well, it doesn't just happen overnight that way. It grows. It, is, it says it waxed great. And so uh, there was, there was an, an, an ever-increasing uh, awareness of sin, and yet it was never addressed. Number two, to ruin a family, avoid evil with evil. And the first part of that is good, to avoid evil. Don't do wrong. Avoid the bad things. Don't, don't let your family go into certain evil things. But the problem was, is that you don't avoid evil with evil. You don't say, well, we're not going to do that bad thing, and so we're, instead we're going to do that bad thing. Well, I mean, it's, at least it's not that bad thing, right? You know, I'm, I'm not going uh, to steal your car. I'm just going to slash all the tires and light it on fire. Hey, at least I didn't steal your car. Does that make you feel better about it? No, you're like, uh, no just don't, don't do anything bad to my car. But that's how we do it with life sometimes. Look, look at Lot's reasoning in verse number 8. Behold now... I have two daughters which have not known man. Let me, I pray you, bring them out unto you. Indeed, to them is as good in your eyes. Only unto these men do nothing. For therefore came thee under the shadow of my roof. Every time I read these verses, my mind just spins, and I can't understand how Lot would have taken, uh, would have, have taken the defense of two visiting men. He had no idea there were angels. He had no idea uh, anything besides what he had learned in one meal. Sitting down, one meal. Uh, just a an acquaintance at best, and their lives are in danger, and he steps up and puts himself at risk for them. But he doesn't do anything to protect his own family. And instead, he's, he offers them. He doesn't even, he's not a good negotiator. I mean, his first negotiation is, have my daughters. That, that, will, that, will that satisfy you? That's, that's, a horrible, that's a horrible verse. Every time I read it, I think, how could you get to that point? I, I I know a lot of people that, that don't want to have anything to do with church, but at the very least I could say they probably wouldn't make that choice. And yet Lot was supposed to be a Christian. But his, his rationale was, I will avoid a certain evil with the compromise of a different evil. Lot looked to appease and satisfy sinful lusts of Sodom's men by offering them as virgin daughters. If you're going to ruin your family... Not just fathers, but moms or, or even anyone as, as, they, as we grow older and we start the families. Don't take a stand against sin and wrong. Instead, offer compromises 
with things that are not as bad. Find things that are not... Don't make a a decision between right and wrong or good and bad. Make decisions based on bad and not as bad. Wrong, but not as wrong. Sinful, but not as sinful as the other thing. And if we live our lives like that, we are are adding another ingredient into getting the, 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 the formula or to, uh, the, the formula we're adding an ingredient to the recipe that, that produced Lot's family. I'm not promising you that if you if you do one or two of these things that it's, your family's going to be destroyed. Or you say, oh well, uh, uh, don't do this, don't do this. There is no recipe to guarantee that you and every single one of your family members will uh, will will turn out right. You can't determine the fate and the future of every single person around you. Really, you have control of you. But if you're going to lead a family, if you're going to uh, to try to train them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord, as the Bible says, uh, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it, uh, you can't avoid evil with evil. You've got you've to make, make a good and a bad. You've got to draw the line. There's got to be a black and a white and, and, and very little gray. There's got, you've got to learn. And, and, and here's the thing. You can't decide for them forever. Have you, have you realized that finally? You can't decide. When my kid was five, I could tell him, no, you will not. Yes, you will. Why? Because I'm your dad. But when my kid is 25, I can't say that anymore. And when my kids are 45... I can't make them do things that way. I I can't say because I'm your father, you will do what I say. You will go to bed at 9 o'clock. I don't care if you're 40. You go to bed when I tell you because I'm your father. He can't live his life based on what I think is right or wrong. He's got to understand. We had a a, a couple of times, uh, Riley and I, and, and then Lincoln and I a few times, uh, to talk. Uh, we take long walks. We're on vacation. We just, and we got to talk. And one of the conversations was, I, as a dad, have to learn to to teach you to determine right from wrong. You can't live your life based on what dad thinks is right or wrong. You have to learn to determine it for yourself. And that's hard. That's a lot harder to teach someone else how to determine right or wrong than it is to tell them right or wrong. You see the difference? I've got to teach him how to fish. I can't just give him a fish. That's a not as easy. It's a whole lot easier just to say, well, here, son, just do this. Don't do this. Do this, don't do this. But going a step further in teaching them, I've got to teach them that there is a right. There is a good. There is absolute. There is right, wrong, black, white, sin, righteousness. And as a Christian, it is my obligation. It is my responsibility. And it is my, it is, it is, it is the nature in me, if, if Christ is in me, to look that and, set, and seek after those things rather than after the things that, that my flesh wants to do. And so if I'm going to ruin my family, I will, number one, ignore the sin around me. I will, number two, avoid evil with evil. Number three, I will not live out my faith. We know, Peter told us, that Lot was a righteous man, but we don't see Lot living out his faith. Okay? Whatever you want to say, we can definitely say that about Lot, that he didn't live it out. There was no, there was no spiritual activity. I wrote it like this. Limit the spiritual activity in your family so that it seems more of a joke to someone else. Look in verse number 14. All of a sudden, Lot realizes how imminent the danger is. And so in verse 14, he's running to his sons-in-law. 
Think about this as before we read the verse. Just a few moments ago, the men were surrounding his house, wanting to get him. Remember, they wanted the angels. He tried to step in the way and offer them his daughters. And they said, no, we're going to do worse with you than we were going to do with the angels. The angels pull him back in and then they tell him, hey, we're here to destroy. You need to go tell your family. And Lot, that very night, has to go out into the streets where a bunch of men who had been trying to find him and, and, and attack him are probably wandering. Now, we know that they were struck blind. We don't know how long that lasted for. But I imagine he wasn't just walking down the street. I imagine it was a little bit more uh, furtive. I imagine he's, he's hiding behind boxes and in doorways and, and trying to make his way as, 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 um, uh, on, as, 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 as sneaky as he can to get to his sons-in-law. And we get to verse number 14, and he says, uh, he went out and spake unto his sons-in-law, which married his daughters, and said, Up, get you out of this place, for the Lord will destroy this city. But he seemed as one that mocked unto his sons-in-law. Why is that? Why did his sons-in-law think that he was telling jokes? Why did he think that he was, he was kidding around? Because it hadn't been serious before. Why should it be serious now? You ever mess with your kids when they're little and you tell them, you tell them things and, and, and you tell them lies? you know that you're just, you know, you're not like trying to teach them lies. You're just, you're just, you know, like, you know, remember and you put, I got your nose, you know, and I got your nose right there. You know, obviously you don't have their nose, right? But but then have you ever gone so far? It happened with me. I would mess around with my kids like that so much that finally when I would be serious, they thought I was joking. And then it was like, and then they had had to learn dad's serious face. You know, and you need to learn to determine, before you determine right or wrong, determine dad's serious face or his joking around face, okay? Because that will save you a whole lot less uh, problems than uh, the right or wrong thing for a while. And that's, and that's what, that's what, uh, uh, that's what the, my boys had to learn. And that's what Lot's sons-in-law and his daughters had to learn. Is dad being serious right now or not? I mean, hey dad, uh, all of a sudden you, you, you get a spiritual message and now you want to make some big changes. What about all the years that we've been here before? What about all the other things that you said were okay? You said this was okay for so long, and now you're saying it's wrong? What what are you going to do? He's talking to grown men. He's talking to married men. And here's another man coming in and saying, you can't do this anymore. You've got to leave. This is wrong. Uh, God's going to destroy this place. What would you do if you were in their position? You know, you're right, Dad. We've never, ever been spiritual in our lives before. But all of a sudden, I think that there's something here to this. We'll go with you. No, of course not. This is the logical reaction to someone who has been playing the game. And this is the logical reaction to someone who has been living around someone who plays the game of Christianity or plays the game of religion. It is, it is uh, widening the gap between what you say and what you do. Have you ever been told that? Don't do as I say, do as I do. And we never, we never do that, right? We do as we see done, not what we are told to do. And as a leader of someone, if you're a leader of a child, if you're a leader of, a, of, a, of employees, if you're a leader of, of a family, whoever it may be, as long as there is a large gap between what you say and what you do, you will have very confused followers. And you will have followers who will take the road of least resistance. Okay, if I'm the boss and I expect all my employees to show up at 8, but I show up at 8.15 every day or 8.20, or 9 o'clock, what does that say? Well, it's really not that important to be here at 8 o'clock. Don't worry, the boss won't get here for 15 more minutes, so as long as you get here before the boss does, it's okay. If I, if I say, well, no, um, uh, you, you, have to, you have to do this to my child, but I never do it myself. 
What is that teaching him? What is that, what is that, uh, what is that really subtly, what message am I delivering to him? If I, as a pastor, say, hey, you got to walk with God and you got to read your Bible, you got you to spend time with God in prayer, you got to live out your faith in the community and don't be ashamed to speak up for Christ, and I never do that myself. What does that say? Oh, it's just, a, it's just a hat we wear sometimes. It's just a game that we play on Sundays because we have nothing else to do with our time. It's just a thing that some people do, but some people don't, and it really doesn't matter. Don't live out your faith, and you can improve your chances of ruining your family. Number four, don't take what God says too seriously. Come to church, you listen, you read the Bible, you read something, and you see a warning, you see an admonition, you see some instruction, you see something there. But here's the thing, don't take it too seriously. Why? Because people might actually take it seriously themselves. If Lot had taken this whole Christianity thing too seriously, when he came to warn his sons-in-law, their reaction might have been a little different. Their reaction would have been, you know what, Dad? I think you're right. I mean, we've been reading in the Bible just like you have, and we've been seeing the, 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 the decay of our society, and, and, and we know that God is going to destroy us. It's just a matter of time. And, and, and thank you so much for the warning. We're, we're getting out of here. Uh, but there's no like that. Why? Because... Don't take God too seriously. Look in verse number 15. They know, Lot knows, okay, this is the night The night of, they knew that, that God was going to destroy the city. So immediately Lot goes and tries to tell his sons-in-law, and they, they don't believe him, they laugh. So eventually he comes back. But what we, what we see here is a huge gap from verse 14 to 15. Because verse 14 ends with, he seemed as one that mocked him to his sons-in-law. Verse 15, and when the morning arose, what happened... Between verses 14 and 15, sleep, nighttime, several hours maybe. How long does it take to warn your son-in-law who lives in the same city as you do? Well, what, what's the difference? He, he, he knew that the city was going to be destroyed. If you were told the city of Sher- the, the city, the, the town, the village, whatever, of Sherman, New York, is going to be destroyed by God, when would you leave? If you knew that judgment was imminent, when would you leave? I wouldn't finish the service. I wouldn't go home to get a few things. I'm gone, folks. And hopefully you're with me. We'll have the first ever traffic jam on Main Street. Because hopefully a bunch of Christians realize, hey, we got to get out of here. You know? But that's not how Lot responds. He went to bed. Or at the very least, he didn't leave. When morning arose, notice, then the angels hastened Lot. Hey, Lot, we got to go. Dads, you know what I'm talking about. When you're trying to get everybody else, because we get dressed so much faster than they do, right? Because we don't have as much to do. And we're sitting in the car, we're standing by the door, we're like, we got to go. We got to go. Get your shoes on. I told you 25 times to go get your shoes on. You keep not doing it, son. Uh, you know, uh, they've got things going on and they're, they're, they're being distracted. And the wife, we usually make the wife do all the work. That's why we're ready to go faster. And she's getting all the kids ready and we're standing there. Let's, let's go. And they're, they're hastening Lot. They're doing that to Lot and his family, saying, Arise, take thy wife and thy two daughters which are here, lest thou be consumed in the iniquity of the city. Why did they have to do that? Because he didn't take the warning that seriously. Do you think that you would need a warning like that Second time to say, hey, get out of here. God's going to destroy the city. Maybe, maybe not. 
But if you got that second warning, do you think that you would get the picture by then? Do you think that you get the message by then saying, I'm going to leave now. But notice in verse number 16, while he lingered, he hesitated. He continues to wait. He continues to kind of drag his feet a little bit. There's no more time. It's coming. You've got to go. The men laid hold upon his hand and upon the hand of his wife and upon the hand of his two daughters, the Lord being merciful unto him. And they brought him forth and set him out of the city. They're dragging them out of the city that they were just the night before convinced was going to be destroyed by God. Why? Because they didn't take God very seriously. You're going to ruin your family. Don't take what God says too seriously. Number five, trust your instincts. If you want to ruin your family, trust your instincts. And that, isn't, that, sounds, that sounds like that, that, that sounds inaccurate, right? It sounds counterintuitive. No, trust your instincts. If you're a mother, you got that maternal instinct, got that paternal instinct, trust your instincts. I know what's best for you. But that's exactly what Lot did, and that's exactly what, what, uh, what caused him to fall into losing every single body, every, every member's family, literally. Verse number 18. They're told in verse number 17. Well, let me back up to verse 17. Escape thy life. Look not behind thee. Neither stay thou in all the plain. Escape to the mountain, lest thou be consumed. This is the third time they're being told this. And what does Lot say? Well, not so much. My gut tells me that that's not the best action. I don't think that's what I should do. I know God's going to destroy the city, but, you know, it just, I don't think that that's right for me. My instincts are telling me to do something different. Notice what he says. Behold now, thy servant hath found grace in thy sight, and thou hast magnified thy mercy which thou hast showed unto me in saving my life, and I cannot escape to the mountain, lest some evil take me and I die. He's worried about the evil that could happen in the mountain, and he's choosing to ignore the evil that is going to happen in Sodom. God's going to destroy the city. Get out of here. Well, I can't go there. Evil might get me. I might get hurt. You might die here. What are you going to do? He begins to bargain. Now, remember when we read about the bargaining? Uh, call it bargain, but, but, but in chapter 18, Abraham and God bargaining about the city of Sodom. Lot's doing the same thing. And I talk about this in prayer meeting. He intercedes for the city of Zoar, but for very selfish reasons. He says in verse number, verse number 20, Behold now, this city is near to flee unto, and it is a little one. Oh, let me not. Oh, let me escape thither. Is it not a little one, and my soul shall live? He continued to do what he thought was best. He continued to do the things that he thought were right to do. As in Judges, it is said, kind of the summary verse of the entire book of Judges: Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. Here's the problem with trusting your own instincts: they're wrong a lot of times especially the further and further I get away from God and from the truth of His Word, the things that I do don't really line up with the things that I should be doing. And the, my thinking changes. Read Romans 1 about how our, our mentality and our perspective changes the further we get away from, from God. Let me skip down to the last one here, number, number 6 and last one. Treat the symptom, not the problem. You want to ruin your family, treat symptoms, not real problems. Lot had interceded for this city of Zoar because he thought, I can't go. Originally, Zoar was supposed to be destroyed. And Lot said, I can't do that. Would you please let me go there? Because if I go to the mountains, I might die. And so God actually answered his prayer. And God, let, and God spared the city of Zoar for the sake of Lot. And Lot and his family go there. His wife turns back, 
and looks and becomes a pillar of salt. Lot and his two daughters enter the city of Zoar. Now all of a sudden, the Bible tells us in verse number 30, because God had overthrown everything and, and, and it's all destroyed. But in verse number 30 it says, And Lot went up out of Zoar and dwelt in the mountain. Now wait a minute. He was just too afraid just a few verses ago to do that. Why did he do that? He was afraid of the evil that might happen in 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 uh, the hills. And so he chose to go to another city that equally deserved judgment as Sodom. Zoar was one of the five cities that God had planned to destroy because of the, the wickedness that had come up to his ears. And now God spares that small city because of, uh, because of uh, Lot's prayer here. But now all of a sudden, verse number 30, he leaves Zoar and he goes to the mountain where God had told him to. Why? For he feared to dwell in Zoar. He was afraid. Why? Maybe it was because he realized that this place is no different than Sodom and their time is coming just as, just as quickly. Uh, but here what I, what I see, what I, what I see the difference here is Lot felt that leaving Sodom was enough. That's all I gotta do. All I gotta do is just get out of Sodom and everything will be fine now. All I gotta do is just get out of that situation and everything will be fine. But here we see more wickedness and maybe wickedness more unimaginable than more extreme than what happened on the doorstep of Sodom. We, we have these three principal characters, Lot and his two daughters. And on the porch of Sodom, a uh, porch of Lot's house in Sodom, he offers his daughters up, his virgin daughters up as, as a, as, as a, is a bargaining chip to save two angels. Now these same three principal characters move to the hills and live in a cave in the hill country, uh, and they do worse things than what was suggested in Sodom. People, the people were the same. The location was different. The symptoms were not the problems. And Lot was only addressing the symptoms He was moving from Sodom to Zoar. He was moving from Zoar to hills, but he didn't really address the problem. Maybe he thought he was protecting his daughters from a similar environment and from judgment in Zoar, but but he moved his daughters off the grid, if you will. We've got to get off the grid. We've got to go hide in a cave somewhere. But that spurred a thinking in a a survival mode type of thinking in his daughters. We, We could read about it. We won't for the sake of time. They say, you know what? There's not a man left in the earth. Maybe they thought that everyone had been destroyed. Maybe they thought that no one would want them because they were the people that kept bringing judgment to cities every time they went there. I don't know what the reasoning was, but they said there is not a man on the earth. Here's the best plan we have available to us. Let's get pregnant with our own father. Two nights in a row, the unthinkable happens. And two nations are born from the sin of Lot and his daughters. Why? Because he treated symptoms, not real problems. Things only got worse in the caves of the hill country because the problem wasn't geographical. It was spiritual. It was the condition of a heart. If we're going to ruin our families, we ignore the condition of our family's heart and of our own heart, and we look at outward things. Well, I'll just get them out of that bad situation. I'll just get them away from that friend. I'll just get them away. I'll get them... People, you know, I'll do this, I won't do the school thing, or I won't send them to that school, or I won't send them to that kid's party, or I won't let them go here, or I won't let them watch this, or whatever. We can do those things, and not all those things are wrong things, but they don't fix the real 
problem. As Jeremiah tells us that the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked above all things. That's the problem that we have. Let me just close with a verse from Proverbs. Because I think it sums up basically Lot's life. It's, it's mentioned a couple of times in Proverbs, but it says there is a way that seemeth right unto a man. The end thereof, the ends thereof are the ways of death. Really, the only way that we can guarantee, I said earlier, there's no way you can guarantee the success of your family. The only person really you have any control over is yourself. I can't even control my wife. I can't control my kids. For the rest of their lives, I can't make sure that they all grow up and be exactly what they're supposed to be. It really only affect myself. The only way that your family is going to survive and thrive spiritually is by following not your own instincts and not following your own truth and not following what you think is right. Even though your instincts and your truth and your version of right might be right at times, the only way we can know for sure by doing it God's way every time. By doing it God's way. And, 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 and seeking to find out for me, first personally, me, I want to know what God's Word says so I can do what God's Word says. And now, as I'm going to teach my children what God's Word says, not so that this is, you're going to live this way, but no, here's where I found out how to do it God's way. Let me show you how to find it for yourself. Let me show, I'll show you what I think is right. And I'm going to show you where I, where, I, where I see that and why I think it's that way. But if my kids don't know how to look in here for themselves and find out one of these days, they're going to say, remember that rule that dad made us do? It's really stupid, isn't it? Can anybody find a verse for me that tells me I'm supposed to send my kids to bed at 8.30 at night? No. Anybody do that or you did that? Send your kids to bed at 8.30 at night sometimes? A few of you did. And do your kids still follow that now that they're 21? There's Chris back there, right? You, you don't go to bed at 30 every night anymore, do you? Well, my mom says it's in the Bible somewhere. I mean, cleanliness is next to godliness. You know, it's like, it's actually not in the Bible. Well, eventually we start looking at things in our lives and saying, I don't know if I want to continue doing that. And, what's, and it's not always wrong, but what's dangerous is when we start doing things, we start changing things that God's Word actually does say we should be doing. And if I know it, that's good for me. But if my kids don't know it, it doesn't help them at all. I've got to teach them. I've got to show them. It means I've got to take things seriously when I read it from God's Word. When I come to church, it's not a game I play. It's, it's a serious thing. Uh, when I leave here and I go, I try to practice the things that I've been taught. I try to, I try to learn it on my own and not just wait till Sunday to come back and get my next pick-me-up. I do it on my own. I learn how to find the cow and milk it myself. I don't go to the, I don't wait for the, I'm the milkman. Don't wait for the milkman to deliver it to you. Learn how to milk the cow yourself. These are the things that Lot never learned to do, and these are the things that led to Lot's losing his family. I, I would not wish that on anybody in this room or anybody that I know. Anybody have that, I wouldn't wish that on anybody. The things that happened to Lot's family, and yet it happened to a Christian family. Why? They didn't take things seriously. They decided to do it their way. They decided to do what they thought was right, but it wasn't right. They avoided evil with evil. They ignored the sin. They ignored the real problems, and they addressed only symptoms. And these are some things. I had a disclaimer that I had written on here. Following these steps will not guarantee your family's failure. It sure did work for a lot. 
And if you have any kind of an inkling in your heart that says, I don't want my family to turn out anything like this, then use this as a checklist and use the rest of God's word as a checklist and say, I've got to do and the things I should be doing and I've got to not be doing the things I should not be doing. And it's not an easy thing and there's not a clear-cut path that says this is, this is exactly what you've got to do step-by-step step to make sure every one of your family members turns out right for God. But there are definitely some signs. There are definitely some examples in His Scripture, isn't there? That tell us, hey, don't do that. Do this. Don't do that. Do this. May we be very opposite of the children of Israel during the book of Judges, doing that which is right in their own eyes. May we learn to do that which is right in God's eyes. Because then and only then can we follow the truth that has been time-tested that has been guaranteed to be truth year after year after year. And it worked back then. It works today. It'll work. My kids are grown. My grandkids are grown. It'll work for them.